and welcome to How Do You Drew? This is a Drew Barrymore podcast brought to you by thedrewzium.com and sponsored by our friends at Positive Medium. I'm Anne. And I'm Ashley. Hello. And welcome back to the How Do You Drew podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, um. this is going to be a lighter in content one. There's not a lot going on this week. Drew is like very MIA, but uh, we got yeah. some things to share anyway. So you want to hop into it? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I see that we got a message from somebody on Facebook. <laughs> You've got mail. Yeah, this comes from Krista. And this is a really nice message. Krista says, love that you two came together to create an amazing place where we can all hang out, quote unquote, to talk and listen to all things true. It's truly magical, I'd say. Thank you. Oh, how cool is that? No, thank you, Krista. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> thank you for saying it's magical because we we like to think that we create a magical environment when we're together. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. That's really nice. Um, and I like just sort of like, let's all hang out. Like that's, I think the vibe of what we're always going for. So it's cool that it's translating. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Thank you for getting us Krista. And Mm -hmm. I hope you stick around and listen to all the episodes. (laughs) All right. What did you pull for this week in Drew history? Oh my gosh. How much do you love this one? All right. Let's go to September 7th, 1995. This is the obviously 1995 MTV Video Music Awards VMAs. Oh my (laughs) gosh. One of Drew's most classic looks. I don't think that's much to say, right? Yeah, I think it definitely is. Okay. So Drew attended with Eric Erlinson, her boyfriend at the time, and the rest of his band whole, Courtney Love included. And this was the night that Courtney Love threw makeup at Madonna. Do you remember that? No, I did not remember that. Oh yeah, it's classic. It's after the show, I believe. And Madonna's being interviewed like up on a stage or something. And Courtney's like down below and starts throwing her makeup up. Why? Oh, you have to see it because she's Courtney. Yeah, it's crazy. Madonna's like, Courtney Love is throwing her makeup at us. (laughs) It's just (laughs) so wild. It's classic 90s. (laughs) All right, but back to Drew. She presented the Video Vanguard Award to the band R.E.M. And we know she was at least sort of friendly with Michael Stipe. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then you remember this. So I think Dennis Miller was the host of the whole show. And when he introduced Drew, this is so like rude. He said the frequently topless Drew Barrymore. (laughs) I mean, rude, but maybe true for that time. (laughs) I mean, yes, it was true. I remember when she comes out, she goes, thank you, Dennis. Like, kind of annoyed (laughs) I couldn't find that part of it um online but I linked to another clip of it she's like kind of putting on an act I sort of feel like I don't know like she's trying to be sort of like sexy or seductive or something (laughs) you'll see you'll see From the moment R.E.M. burst onto the scene with Radio Free Europe 14 years ago, we knew that we were seeing and hearing something very special. (laughs) The band from Athens, Georgia has always made music that matters about the things that matter, joy and hope and sorrow and pleasure, giving voice, giving a new voice to emotions beyond words, and always with mystery and magic, grace and dignity, style and humor, R.E.M.'s videos have given us images that resonate long after the chords fade. What I feel like is she's kind of doing like a John Barrymore. Pleasure. (laughs) You're right. Or it feels like a Saturday Night Live character. Like, which one of her Saturday Night Live characters kind of has like, oh, like the lovas. Wait, was she in that? Yes. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't feel quite natural. (laughs) But it also like she is like in a costume, basically. I don't know if we. Yeah, just... so let's talk about it. Go for it. Yeah, so she's got this blonde wig on. She did have blonde hair at the time. I think cut super short. Yeah, her hair was like super short under this wig, sort of like a Marilyn Monroe esque type hairdo, but bigger. Yeah. Bright red lips. She's got a daisy in the wig, kind of attached to the front of the wig, and then the dress. Um, you made a note about the dress being a black version of the one that she wore in Wishful Thinking, which. 
if you've seen wishful thinking, then you'll know that there's like a seductive scene in that where she's got a dress that sort of has these sheer wings for lack of a better word. It's a fantasy scene in wishful thinking. Yes. And she wears the same or similar looking wig in that too. She must've just really liked the vibe of that. Is there any chance it's like very close to the time they filmed it? Oh yeah, it totally is. So my thought, and I reached out to the costume designer from Wishful Thinking, but haven't gotten a response. I would love to know if she asked him to make a black version to wear to this. Like it's too much of a coincidence. Oh, (laughs) right. I mean, it's like the same dress. Yeah, that's very true. Or maybe they had it and they were trying to decide which one to use in the scene or something. Yeah, that could be it too. I can't wait to find out. We will. (laughs) That would be so cool. Yeah, that would be fun to find out. And maybe we'll have that person on when we do our wonderful thinking episode. That would be super fun. Amazing. Um, I love that you called them wings because I feel like this was so soon after Batman Forever. Like there definitely (laughs) was a lot of like captions or something calling her like Batman or (laughs) I don't remember, but. (laughs) That's right. Very good point. And it's really fun that this is like so close to the topic that we're covering today, which we'll yeah. get into soon. <laughs> I know. I thought that too. And um, last thing I want to say about this is this was heavy into my first having MTV and like recording oh. constantly off the TV. Like I had tapes and tapes and tapes of stuff I'd record and I liked REM. So I recorded this segment for REM, but I ended up like having Drew's part. So that I remember that being cool later to be like, wait a minute, I have this. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. I love that so much. (laughs) But yes, kind of going back to a second to like pictures from this event, this is something that there are a lot of clippings of. Like it was such a look that was so publicized in magazines. But are you like me where you just don't get enough of it? Like, I'm never like, boring. Like, oh, I, yeah, I never. love, I go and like find pictures from this and I'll be like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I go to save it. And I'm like, oh, we already have this one saved, but it still feels <laughs> so cool. Even just a little preview you have in our notes of these ones of she and Eric. I'm just like, ah, I love them so much. Yeah, she looked beautiful. So I know it's very little, but what's new with Drew this week? Man, pretty much nothing. (laughs) But I did notice something. I went on the Drew Barrymore Show website. And if you go to be on the show, they have like certain topics that they're looking for people for. And Mm -hmm. so there were only a couple, but I took note of them because I thought they were interesting. One thing is that they're looking for people who can't let go of an old piece of clothing. (laughs) Oh, I feel like we're both really nostalgic about certain clothes. I know. I was like, funnily enough, I'm like, oh, the jacket I wore when I went and saw Donnie Darko in the movie theater, which we talked about last episode. I still have that. So that was 2001. Is that your jean jacket with the white collar? (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not really white. It's pretty much brown by now, but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I'm I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're going to take the items and like recreate them into something more modern like I I don't know it'd be cool to see what they do with that and then the other thing they're looking for are people who are Spice Girls super fans so I wonder if they're gonna have the Spice Girls on the show probably that feels amazing aren't they doing like a world tour soon I think so and I'm just imagining their energy and Drew's energy oh god it'd be wild (laughs) that sounds really fun I was never a huge Spice Girls fan but it was definitely like I was of the age that I saw the fanaticism of the Spice Girls you too I'm sure I was like a secret Spice Girls fan like I was (laughs) Really? really like strictly alternative music like I didn't like any like pop I didn't like boy bands like but the Spice Girls I like I think I really like how they all had their own like defined sort of character yeah and I remember like having their Rolling Stone magazine because I had a subscription and like I really liked the photos and like I made up dances for my sisters and cousins to their songs oh my goodness but I like wouldn't have admitted I liked them back then. Well, I think you're going to have to submit yourself to the Drew Barrymore show as a secret Spice Girls super fan. <laughs> Let's get into our topic. Woohoo! We are way overdue for a magazine. And this maybe isn't the like longest article to deep dive, but this is a really special one regardless. Yes, very much so. So I'll go ahead and jump in. This is the interview magazine from May 1995. 
It says on the cover, it's the new quote unquote huggable size. So (laughs) it might be the first time they went down to a smaller size. Interview was kind of always oversized, but there was a time when it was like very oversized. (laughs) It was like so (laughs) tall. I mean, this one's still big. It is. And I feel like it went down in size twice because I feel like I've seen some from like the 70s and they're even bigger. You're absolutely right. Yep. yep, Yes. (laughs) But it's still, yeah, I like that they call it huggable. It's very cute. And to have that on Drew's cover. One thing I want to note is that this is $2.95, which is oh my god, <laughs> so cheap. <laughs> Especially for an oversized magazine yeah, that's got like I know that would probably be this a, amazing. It'd be at least $20 now, right? Yes. It's wild. <laughs> um so the cover uniquely enough is a Batman Forever promo photo. So that's kind of interesting that they chose that. I feel like it's very outside the box to have done that. Yes. Those photos were shot by Herb Ritz, and he, of course, is the man behind our favorite classic profile picture of Drew. You <laughs> yes. guys know the one. <laughs> the one. The one I always take to haircuts. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, the styling for this was done by Ingrid Farron. The hair is by Kim Santantonio, which is funny because she's not really wearing her hair. So I guess the wig was styled by her. <laughs> <laughs> and the makeup is by Cheryl Tack. We'll have to look those names up and see, were they just people that worked on Batman forever? Or like, I really want to know the story of how this ended up being the photo for the cover. Me too. I guess maybe, I mean, we'll talk more about the pictures inside, but I guess they didn't want to reveal the intimate pictures right away. Yeah. Although of course we would have loved to have like a unique cover for right. this. I remember it always like confused me Yes. that this was the cover. <laughs> like as you all will see when you, if you're not already familiar with this, It's very misleading, except for the fact that the cover says, inside, self-portraits by Drew. Love that. As we get into the article, there's something that sort of ties back to this being the cover image I just sort of realized. So that's interesting. I'll I'll point it out when we get there. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, we got to just say that the recent New York magazine cover that Drew was on, shot by Mark Seliger... The fonts on that are very, very similar to the font on the cover of this. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that could be a coincidence, right? (laughs) I mean, at least it's an homage to this like style of cover. Absolutely. I love it. Yes, totally. So now let's talk a bit about these gems of photos inside this issue. Gem is putting it mildly. (laughs) One of the things I'll just note ahead of time is that most of the photos are in black and white. Um, And it really like that gives this instant nostalgic feeling. But obviously, because this is like 94, 95 Drew, like already that alone is like, (sighs) yeah, (laughs) (laughs) totally. Yeah, (laughs) this is definitely a time where I couldn't really tell 94, 95 apart. Yeah. And I feel like most of these are 94. I think they are. So um, now I'm going to jump into the first full page, which right away is dreamy. Ugh. Oh my God. Just a black and white close up of Drew. And I'm calling it a proto selfie because I feel like this type of selfie became really popular later. Not that people weren't totally. taking selfies, but it's like the angle, like it feels very MySpace. It feels like. I was just going to say that. Yeah. But that MySpace ones were digital, right? So we could look at them yeah. and take another one. Like Drew is doing these on film. So yep. she just amazingly captured herself looking beautiful. Like that's just crazy. <laughs> She looks so both like as young as she is, but also older. Like, I don't know. This timeless face. I'm just going to take note of her amazingly thin, iconic eyebrows. So thin. (laughs) So thin. They're so thin. And the dark lipstick, which feels so of the time. Yeah. I think I had this picture like blown up as a desktop wallpaper on my old laptop but it was like way pixelated probably, but it's so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. The next full page is a black and white of Drew and Eric, and it's from a photo booth. And the caption says it's a makeout session that they had, but they're not making out in the picture. (laughs) They're both actually looking quite serious at the camera. Um, It looks like Drew's probably wearing her Daisy necklace or something similar beaded. Mm-hmm. So it says that it was taken in Seattle after a whole show, but I can't find any evidence of whole playing in Seattle around this time, which of course doesn't mean that they didn't. Yeah. Maybe it was like a tiny show. 
Yeah, it could have been. It must have been around the time she was filming Mad Love based on her hair length because she cut it pretty soon after this. And it's actually mm-hmm. pretty long. It's the longest it is in any of these pictures. Yeah, totally. So I think you're right. It totally looks like Mad Love time and the texture of her hair even. Yeah, this photo is so beautiful. Oh, my God. Ah. <laughs> it really is. Okay, and then you flip the page and we see one of Drew's personal photos and it's in the middle of a page of text, a Polaroid, really gorgeous, of a daisy. Of course. Surprisingly, like this is the most colorful picture in the whole feature. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) And it's like popping and literally just green, yellow, and white. Like it's just gorgeous. I know we both love this so much. Yeah, I've always just adored this. It's so simple, but so so lovely. <laughs> I feel like there's part of me that every time I take a close up of a daisy, you think of I this. think of this. You know, oh, like yeah. how could you not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the next page is kind of a collage of five photos. The first mm-hmm. one is another selfie, and this one's like almost that kind of fish eye view that, like, yep. actually, I know a lot of the Gen Zers like to take pictures of each other in this weird kind of upward <laughs> angle. <laughs> Like, or downward, like from the forehead down. Yep. But of course, Drew doesn't look awkward at all. She just looks beautiful. (laughs) Um, One of the next images on that grouping is a portrait that Drew took of her cat of four years, Vinny. And the caption also has a quote by Drew. That's my baby. He's like a rabbit, dog, cat, and lamb all mixed up in one. There's also two really cute photo booth images of Drew and her friend Mel, Melissa Bochco, who we've talked about quite a few times. She's Drew's <laughs> longest friendship. Um, they've been friends since Drew was seven, which is incredible. And they took these photo booth pictures in a Rexel drugstore in LA. <laughs> and they're just really cute. Like the first one, they're both just smiling at the camera. And the second one, they're cracking up and Mel's covering her face and Drew's holding like cash in her hand. I've never noticed that before. I never, <laughs> never noticed that. <laughs> but it looks like she's wearing that like ring yes. that she used to wear, like the plain one with the text around it. Yeah. These pictures are so cute. Adorable. I love that they're like, they're colored, but it's kind of like a faded color. Yeah. I don't know. It's really cool. I love photo booths anyways. Me too. So you pulled something cool about this next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go ahead and start off. It's a picture of Drew holding a stray cat in Greece, and it's taken by Mel. But go ahead and expand on what you found out. <laughs> Today, found this out for the first time. So I'm like, why is she in Greece? Like, why, why, why? Like, there's a reason that, you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. in my mind that this meant something. And so I was like, wait a minute. And I go and check Wildflower. And yes, this is when Mel and Drew were on that cruise, the infamous cruise where Drew jumped <laughs> off and swam to an island. They did go to Greece. So this is from that trip, which makes it so much more incredible. And I can't believe all these years I didn't put that together until just now. So I'm so glad that you had the thought to check. So funny. Um, we will eventually go over Wildflower, but I, I'm just wondering, like, but is this before or after she jumped? <laughs> Good question. Oh, my gosh. And, like, again, why is this such a perfect photo? Like, because it's her. And it's film. Like, they just nailed it. Okay. moving on so then you flip the page and again it's a lot of text but right in the middle we get another beautiful photo that drew took so this is another polaroid by drew and this one is of clouds and the sun rays kind of peeking in and as someone who obsessively photographs clouds i really appreciate this one yes Absolutely. And when I see it, I think of when Chris O'Donnell described Drew as taking (laughs) pictures of clouds. And when he said it, he sort of was like, what a weirdo. (laughs) But like, come on. This feels completely exactly right. I know. I remember this other clip. It was like, oh my God, I think it was like a teen people, 25 under 25, like TV special that Justin Timberlake hosted. (laughs) This was like in 99 or 2000. And they had onset footage of Drew on the set of Never Been Kissed. And she's talking about, I don't know, just life in general. And she says, I just hope to always be an admirer of clouds. And then it like cuts away to Justin Timberlake. And he's like, an admirer of clouds. Okay, Drew. (laughs) Anyway, random memories. 
I think not everyone gets her and we get her. That's that's why we're doing this podcast. Okay, good point, good I point. I mean, I like to think it. All right, so next we have another kind of collage grouping of three photos, including a picture of Eric and Drew at Drew's 20th birthday party and the photos taken by Nancy Giovonin, which I love so much and had completely forgotten about. Yep, totally also forgot. I never understood the physics behind this basket of flowers on Eric's head. <laughs> Me neither. Because it's upside down, but the flowers are coming out of the bottom. I don't get it. I don't. I mean, was he wearing that as a hat all night? Is he just holding that in place for the photo? Yeah, it's very confusing. Maybe it hangs upside down. I- yeah, I don't know. It's always driven me crazy. <laughs> always. Um, Speaking of things they're wearing, I like that Drew's shirt looks like light colored crushed velvet which totally. feels so 90s doesn't it look like it's crushed <laughs> oh velvet? it definitely has to be yeah <laughs> and something I never noticed you mentioned the money in her hand earlier she's got a box like a van's shoes box on her yeah lap. I actually did notice that one a long time ago because it looks okay. like someone gave it to her as a gift because you're wearing vans like I kind of want to look at yeah. like her shoes in the following like soon like, after yeah and see if we can see a pair of vans another thing that's really cool about this is this is the birthday where supposedly Steven Spielberg sent the gift with the quilt and the playboy where she's covered up I don't know if it was like to this dinner but this is the dinner she's talking about um on David Letterman that episode right I think so yeah it is that episode with the flashing She's talking about how she looked around the table and like felt so much love because everyone she loved was there. Normally, she doesn't like birthdays very much. That's right. And I think she talked about that the previous year, she just like sat in a bathtub and cried. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) One last thing I noticed before we move on is the pack of cigarettes on the table, which is not at all surprising for that era of Drew. (laughs) And it looks like she has a glass of wine in front of her and she's only 20. That's pretty great. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) It could be something else, though. (laughs) The next photo is Drew feeding birds by hand. She has like bird feed in her hand in London. And if the timestamp is right on this and it only makes sense, she was there for the Reading Festival with Hole. So that's really oh, cool okay. that that like all tracks because that is in England. Um, this photo was taken by Eric and the striped backpack that she has on, she wore all the time back then. And when I was looking up the stuff about the cruise and Wildflower, she also mentioned this backpack. She called it her Serapi backpack, which I guess is like the fabric. Um, the type like, of weave. Yeah, like, you know, Mexican blankets and stuff are made yep. out of. So it's like colorful and beautiful. I love that backpack. I kind of want Me too. One. I know. I would totally use that backpack. <laughs> okay. And then the last photo in the issue is of Drew and Eric, and it was taken by Kim Greitzer, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the interview part of this issue. But also I love that Drew says about the sitar that it's one of the most magical instruments ever created. It's awesome. I always think of George Harrison when I hear the sitar. Totally. Which I should think of like who inspired that, you know, like culturally. Yeah. But also, (laughs) you know, I grew up with the Beatles. So of course my brain's going to go to George Harrison. Yeah. And that thing (laughs) is huge. Like Eric's a tall person and it looks gigantic next to him. It does look (laughs) massive. For some reason, I always... I think I just like weirdly the first time I saw this thought that they were next to water and that it was also in the place where she's feeding the birds, which makes no sense because it looks like they're just like on the street in a neighborhood in LA or something. Well, but the <laughs> hair is like very similar. It doesn't say where it is. That's a no, good point. But don't you think it looks like an LA neighborhood? Kind of. Like in the hills or something. Yeah. <laughs> it would be kind of cool to know where it was. I don't think I mentioned, but Drew is kissing Eric's head and it, he's kind of like looking over at his sitar. It's really actually a very darling picture. Like how are these like candids just so perfect? Ugh. So those are our photos. These are such a treat. I still like, they're still so impactful, which is, mm-hmm. you know, cool because how many times have we looked at them? Yeah. I can't even imagine being a fan at this time and this coming out. Like my head would have exploded. Yeah, these still feel so special. Are they cooler now because they're from this era? Like when you were in this era, it probably didn't feel as cool as it does looking I'm back. I'm sure there are <laughs> listeners who could give us some insight. Like I would love to hear. You know, <laughs> let us know how it felt for this to come out and if it was just crazy. Like I'm just like, I need a haircut right now because I, I like having my hair short. Oh, and I'm like inspired. These are totally, totally like, I'm not going to go pixie, but I'm like, oh, the short hair. Yeah, so good. 
Howdy, Howdy Droopies. We want to tell you about our sponsor, Positive Medium. We've actually been clients of theirs for at least 10 years, and they take care of all of our website needs for thedruzeum.com. They offer custom web design and professional coding, search engine optimization, marketing, and hosting. So we've been hosted by them, but we've also been able to take advantage of a lot of their expertise in these other areas as well. Absolutely. So customer service is the biggest draw for us with this company. They have saved our site literally from obliteration quite a yep. few times, but then they also help us with minor issues in just like literally a matter of minutes. So if we have like a coding question or just like something on the back end we can't figure out, we reach out to them and we get an answer back and the issue is solved within moments. We're so excited that Positive Medium is allowing us to offer our listeners 25% off managed WordPress hosting plans using our promo code DREW, D-R-E-W, of course. Um, and if you want to take advantage of this, visit positivemedium.com. We really, really vouch for these people. They've been so great to us and will continue to be great to us, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> I mean, they're great by offering this to our listeners. So take advantage. Again, it's promo code DREW, of course. <laughs> Okay, so let's jump into this really fun interview. Yeah, so if you guys aren't familiar with the sort of format of Interview Magazine's features, they're literally just question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So unlike all the other articles that we've done where it's like you're kind of traveling with Drew through the days and now they're in this location and then they go here and she's doing this. Like this is truly just question, answer. So um, we're going to sort of do this in a different way, which we'll explain, but I just want to say the title of it is the drew that grew. And then the little sort of subtitle is, and who thinks learning from mistakes and macaroni and cheese for a happiness. She thought she'd never have. <laughs> I love that. I know she'd be like, yeah, that's still true. <laughs> and, um, the interview is done by Ingrid Sishi. And she was the editor-in-chief at Interview at that time. Um, she also did Drew's 1992 Interview Magazine interview, <laughs> to be redundant. And <laughs> she was a huge part of why Drew did that feature in 1992, because Drew really like felt safe and good with her. That's awesome. Okay, and now we're going to jump in. So basically, we'll summarize a little bit of what Ingrid says to Drew, and then we'll basically just quote Drew verbatim in her replies. Yeah. The interview starts with Ingrid explaining how she always wanted to have a subject take their own personal photos to accompany a piece because it was more riveting and intimate, which totally. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yes. She asks Drew when she started taking photos of herself and friends. And Drew replied, I've always been very big on Polaroid pictures. I try to take my camera around with me wherever I go. Or I have it lying around my house and pick it up when I see something. Ingrid says she always loses her Polaroid cameras and Drew replies, oh, I've had about 10 Polaroid cameras. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ingrid asked when she first got her camera and why. And Drew responded, ooh, I would say when I was about 14, I knew that I wanted to take pictures. They're so important to me. I think it's neat to have my friends and my perspectives captured like this. Not that a professional photographer doesn't have the ability to capture moments that are phenomenal, but someone would have had to follow me around for months and months all over the world to get private moments in situations like the ones I've sent you. That does explain some, one of the reasons they're so special. It's like, she's in Greece. She's in London. Yeah. It's her birthday. Like, it's like all yeah. these moments that are clearly like, it is that intimate thing. Like, I mean, Drew chose these too. So she chose what to share. Yeah. It's curated. Good point. Oh my God. Now- now I'm having the fantasy of her like spilling out all her photos and oh, going through to pick these. Imagine the ones she didn't pick. <laughs> right before you said that, I almost pictured like Drew like sifting through a box. So it's yeah. so funny how our <laughs> imaginations just go there. Okay. So then Ingrid says that Drew is one of the few actresses who understands the performance and collaboration of a photo shoot, which is so cool. Mm -hmm. And she says that Drew's beloved by photographers because of that. And then she talks about how she had witnessed that firsthand during the Bruce Weber 1992 shoot for interview and Drew responds because they were so natural talk about being uncontrived that was one of the freest days I've had in a long time and then Ingrid says that Drew really handled the media reaction to that cover nobly and honestly oh I love that and immediately I'm thinking about that, that there's an entire episode of Arsenio Hall where she comes oh, on and right. all they talk about is that magazine 
class or like making such a big deal out of it. And then Ingrid says that Drew's since then has been on so many covers sort of as like a fantasy girl, which is what I was mentioning earlier. Like, it's kind of interesting that they chose this sort of, you know, sexy fantasy girl for the cover of this. True. (laughs) That's a good point. Then she says she thinks it must be nice for Drew to have taken a break from that for this issue. There we go. They literally address it. (laughs) But then you should, they use it for the cover anyway. <laughs> I guess it's a break in the sense that it's something they did for something else. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then Drew says, it sometimes feels the only way I can get a grasp on normality. Although there's the sense of an extra vulnerability because you're showing something very personal. Mm. Yes, but thank you, Drew. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say yes, but never change. <laughs> Um, Ingrid then comments that Drew doesn't seem interested in controlling the narrative about herself, which I think is kind of true. Mm-hmm. Drew said, I learned at a really young age that you cannot control people or nature or how it evolves. It's an impossible task and you will drive yourself nuts trying to do it. She's 20 years old saying this. Anyway, <laughs> when you're growing up, you try to control the people who are closest to you, usually your family which is always the hardest thing to deal with when it comes to the impossibility of controlling others. I think you get your first dose of human reality. Wow. Such good advice. Like that's something I feel like we could all be reminded of all the time. (laughs) Definitely should read that to myself every morning. Right. Uh, (laughs) Ingrid asks if maybe that's why she couldn't control her own behavior for a while until she figured things out. And Drew said, yes, We all have the desire within us to control, and we all have the capacity to lose control. Control is something that we can't get rid of. I think the point is to exercise control in the positive realm, whether it has to do with yourself or other things. But then there's also the line between change and control. I think you should try to change things rather than control them if you believe so strongly in them. Fabulous. Great advice. Powerful. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) Okay, they kind of switch gears and Ingrid is asking about flower films, which was brand new at the time. This is kind of interesting. So there is no mention of Nancy Javonen in this part. I wanted to get ahead of it and say that. Mm-hmm. But as we just said, she took that photo of Drew and Eric on Drew's birthday. So she was around. (laughs) I'm just wondering why Kim's the focus here. Yeah. It's really interesting. So we've talked about this a few times. Um, Drew's former assistant, Kim Greitzer, was like part of the original startup of flower films. It was really Drew and Kim. And then they brought Nancy on, but Kim never gets mentioned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's sort of like rewritten history anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Anymore. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But at the time she was, so let's hear about that. So Drew says, officially we Drew and Kim Greitzer started last year. I first interviewed Kim three and a half years ago. And for the first year, she worked as my assistant. We worked together every day and really got to know each other. And it was like this amalgamation of two spirits. We learned that we both wanted the same things in life. We wanted to work hard and we didn't want our sex or our age ever to be held against us. We just wanted to like go fucking forth with our dream. And our dream was to have a production company. It's two girlies wanting to make good movies with people who are passionate. And I never thought that I would be into this side of the business, but I found myself really into it. So that's a great little chunk of how Flower Films started. I really like that. Yeah. My favorite line is we didn't want our sex or age ever to be held against us. Yeah. Like they were young girls, like two things. <laughs> and I'm sure people just <laughs> shook their head when they saw them come in. Like, yeah, very young. I know. Well, then Ingrid asks how old Kim is. And Drew says she's almost 24. We're very much on the same wavelength in the business sense. We sit down with like our iced teas and cigarettes at our desks, of course, (laughs) and we just plow through the day. We do it together and it's really great. Not every decision has to have the weight of the world on it. Then again, certain decisions do. And that is why Kim and I will probably have ulcers in the next 10 years. She laughs and says, but there's nothing that snakes by us, you know? So I really would love to know more about like, how Kim walked away from flower films and like, Mm -hmm. you know, was Nancy's like just sort of Nancy might've been acting as an assistant from what I remember at that time. Oh, assistant to them. Yeah. (laughs) And then maybe Kim just was like, you know what, this isn't for me. And Nancy was like, all right, I'll step in. And now I'm going to put together Charlie's angels and Donnie Darko. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one day we'll hopefully get to ask Nancy about that. 
Yeah. Or Kim, either one. Or Kim. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you guys are listening, come on the pod. <laughs> All right. And then we're going to kind of jump to boys on the side a little bit. Ingrid asks about that and says some people felt it was unfair that Whoopi's character is never shown kissing her female partner in the film. Drew said, I would say they're absolutely right. I had that issue in Poison Ivy when Sarah Gilbert and I had that big kiss and everybody was in an uproar about it. Love should always be displayed if it's really there. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say that maybe one of the director's reasons why he shows the relationship between Whoopi and Amy Aquino's character as passionless is because Whoopi's in love with Mary Louise Parker's character. But damn straight they should kiss. (laughs) I think it's the most beautiful sensual act that human beings do. It's like, I mean, I could sit and kiss my, (laughs) there's a break in the tape. And I'm guessing she was talking about Eric. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she was. Uh, It is so funny. Like the tape breaks. (laughs) The 90s. Yeah. But also I was going to say, I feel like that line kissing is the most beautiful sensual act that human beings can do. I feel like she said something to that effect other times or this was quoted. No, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, it's that famous quote. And then I was like, no, I think there's something really similar to this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, so Ingrid then asks about Eric and how they met. And <laughs> this is going to be an interesting side notes here. <laughs> yes. So Drew says, I was in Seattle and went to see this band called That Dog Play. And then two months later for Movie Line magazine, she says that she saw that it's same band, That Dog, but she says it was at the place called Jabberjaw in LA, which we talked about a lot once we found that out. So what is the truth? We don't know. <laughs> as usual drew's mixing up her details yep (laughs) i'm gonna say it was in la at jabberjaw because that's so specific and we know that um eric was there all the time so i think that makes more sense so drew says the lead singer of that dog anna who actually wait hold on is that the one who does the theme for yellow jackets i'm pretty sure it is oh my god i think you're right anna warrenker (laughs) yeah Oh, amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. Because we both love that song, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Drew says, Anna is a friend of mine. So cool. And the band knows Eric. I got sick with food poisoning and ran out of the club. All of a sudden, I felt his hand on my shoulder. I jerked back and it was Eric. And he goes, hi. And I said, excuse me. I don't think you want to be watching this right now. And I puked on his shoes. It was so embarrassing. He said, honestly, this is what everybody in the world does at one point. I'd appreciate if you'd let me stay with you. And I was like, wow, who are you? You are amazing. So we sat there and talked for a while and he made me laugh. Humor and intellect are definitely the most attractive combination you can find in a person, I think. That line. I know. She said, like, she says something like that about many of her, like, previous partners. Like, I feel like she definitely said that about Tom Green. Oh, everybody. Yes. We just mentioned it in an episode because I remember saying, like, that explains the crush on David Letterman. Like, yes. It's so funny. That's definitely two things she's never, like, those will always be on her list. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Then Drew says, when I said goodbye, I said, I hope that I can find you again. Two weeks later, photographer Ellen Von Unworth gave me the wrong room number of a hotel room. And somewhere else I picked this up. Hole was in LA to -hmm. shoot all the cover art for Live Through This. Okay. Ellen's a photographer who did those. So maybe they were staying like next door to each other in the hotel. Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. So Drew says, I knocked on the door and Eric answered it. He was like, oh my God, macaroni and cheese, because that's what I'd thrown up that night. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I grabbed him and gave him this huge kiss. We didn't see each other again for four or five months. And then I went up to Seattle again, and that was for mad love. Mm -hmm. And the first week I was there, the words, have you eaten any macaroni and cheese lately were whispered in my ear. And there he was. (laughs) And we've been together ever since. Also, I'm picturing like one of the droodles drawings of Drew where it's got like mac and cheese coming out of her mouth. <laughs> like in a cartoonish way. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we should include that in the gallery. Okay. Because we don't have any images, obviously, of the real thing, but darn. I know. <laughs> this is one of the most complete descriptions of that, I feel like, because it's yeah. like full circle. It talks about like meeting and then meeting again. So classic. I would be charmed if someone kept bringing up when I vomited. That's for sure. (laughs) 
Ingrid asks about Courtney Love and says it feels like she's a victim of the type of sexism like Yoko Ono was. And Drew replies, it's true. There's a certain extent to which you're living your life in a goldfish bowl and seeing all these eyes peering in at you. Drewism. Yep. <laughs> totally. <laughs> It'll bounce off the surface of your skin. If not, it can pierce right through you and really fucking hurt. I think that's the best way of dealing with that is with grace, whether it's just a personal thing or an outward public thing. Grace entails being able to handle it. Wow. Another like really good line. Yeah. Ingrid then asks if she's friends with Courtney and Drew said, no, actually, yes and no. (laughs) As much as I'm around that scene, I'm very rarely around her. I feel like I relate to this person so much and yet in other ways we seem so opposite. But then I think that we're the kind of people who don't feel like we need to try and be best friends. We just don't mind each other's presence. And sometimes I respect that as much as I do a friendship. So, yeah, we've kind of touched on that a few times, how at first they definitely weren't really friends. But then after this, they decided they're going to be closer, I guess. (laughs) It's really interesting. It seemed like they kind of became friendly, like post her relationship with Eric. (laughs) yeah you're sort of right yeah maybe that like made it less complicated or something I I guess 1996 like some of those times when she was like pictured with Courtney which Eric also there yeah but I'm like that's also like right when she met Luke maybe she was like hey I'm gonna break up with Eric let's be friends and like separately now but I also feel like that thing where she says we don't feel like we need to be best friends I feel like that's something she said other times Yeah, I think it was in Rolling Stone 95. So it all tracks. Okay. Good job, Drew. (laughs) They move on to talking about Batman Forever. And Drew says, I've known Joel, and she's referring to the director, Joel Schumacher. Since I was seven years old, <laughs> don't you immediately think of that clip of him? Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I can picture his voice, but remind me what he says in that He clip. talks about her being a little girl and coming up to his table and going, hi, I love your movies. <laughs> <laughs> and he also did 2000 Malibu Road. Oh, that's right. Let's get back to her quote. She says, he's someone that I truly admire in every way. Talk about intellect and humor. He was there for me always. He's always been a strong, supportive friend to me. Ingrid's kind of asking her about her role as sugar to Debbie Mazar's spice. And Drew says, <laughs> yeah, when we met, it was like, whoa, we're going to do this great. And we're going to have fun and look as cool as we can for Joel's movie. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, I won't say it's better than the other Batman films because that can be misconstrued as snotty, but I think it's very different from the others. It has a genius screenplay that takes you into this realm of total imagination. And I love the fact that Joel played that up. He really went for the comic strip idea and the surrealism of that. And I'm just going to say, I feel like a lot of people who love Batman do not like Batman forever. Have you heard that? I think it's very divisive. And there's this whole movement or at least one person who's obsessed that I've seen on Instagram about release the Schumacher cut. Like apparently the director's cut of it is quite different. And there's like missing a bunch of missing stuff and what it ended up being in the finished product kind of the way that we've pieced together things on movies from like the scripts and like pictures and stuff where we're like, oh, there were deleted scenes. There's even in the, remember the sort of like comic book version of it that has like cute little drawings Mm -hmm. of Drew. There's even Mm -hmm. a scene in there with sugar and spice that's not in the movie. So that would be awesome if they ever released that. (laughs) Yeah, she's in it so little. I would love to see anything more of her. Uh, I really love her in that movie. Like, it's such a cool little thing in her filmography. Was it Drew that described her as like a glitter-dipped Marilyn Monroe or something? Yep, exactly. I love that so much. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Okay, now we're going to jump into Mad Love a little bit, which we love. (laughs) Drew said, it's about a girl who... I think the best way I can describe Casey is that she's a late blooming little flower. Mm -hmm. She has a terrible time and it isn't understood why until it's realized that she's manic depressive. Her behavior starts to deteriorate in the midst of her experience of love. And she desperately tries to grasp reality as she's falling deeper and deeper into the ether of her mind. I think it's a movie for younger audiences. All of a sudden that last line throws me. I'm like, wait, what? I was just going to say, wait. (laughs) She's like, it's really dark and serious. And I think it's for the kids. 
<laughs> maybe she means like teens teens yeah, yeah like teens would get it because it's that very like tumultuous yeah, time in your I life think so too. <laughs> and ingrid asks which makes sense if it meant something to her personally and drew replied well as you know i have been in an institution i know what it's like and there aren't many actors my age who can say the same thing so it was a very cathartic experience for me and something i needed to do I like how she describes just about like how she literally is falling in love as she's kind of going crazy. Yeah. And I don't feel like the way the movie is summarized ever really like describes <laughs> That's that well. True. I don't know. <laughs> they definitely didn't handle like her diagnosis and all that. And as we mentioned yeah. in the Mad Love episode. And also calling Casey a late blooming little flower. I know. I love that. <laughs> Aww, it's so cute. Ingrid asks if work and life are becoming easier with experience. Andrew replies, the truth is, I know it can all fucking go away again in a heartbeat. That's why I will always be grateful for every job I get, which still, she's still like that. <laughs> like about her talk show. She's still like that. Yep. And about life, what do you do? Do you become a cloistered nun and not live your life because of the fear of what people might think or say? If the press is printing things about you, some of the stuff is total bullshit, but some of it is true too, and that's better. That's why I believe in being honest with the press. When you read in the New York Post that a friend and I went to our favorite strip club and didn't act together, that's true. I did that. I had so much fun doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't regret it for a second. <laughs> the blue angel, Udi. Yep. <laughs> Udi. Happy da, Udi. <laughs> you know you know yep yeah how wrong is it for us to just always say that i think for the people who get it it's worth it for them you're welcome yeah for the others sorry i hope we're still making you laugh <laughs> okay so this last chunk it's a big one but i'm gonna get through it so ingrid asks drew how she's feeling right now i've never been happier in my life and more comfortable in my skin which is the greatest feeling because before i'd always been so uncomfortable in it i've molded myself into the person that i am I still have a road to travel to be the kind of person I aspire to be. I have the greatest friends and I'm like so in love with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he inspires me and fulfills me. It's what I imagine a great family feels like. Oh. When you don't have a family, as so many of us don't, you have to go out there and create your own. She always says that. Yeah. When I had my birthday party in February, it was a nice dinner, about 15 of us. I looked around the table excuse me. Oh my God. I almost started to cry. She says. Mm. And I said to myself, I can't believe that I'm so lucky to be surrounded by these people right now. I'm 20 years old today. 20. So crazy. <laughs> I've carried myself through the years. I've made mistakes along the way, but there were the kind of mistakes that we all have to make in order to learn. And thank God I did learn. If you repeatedly make mistakes and don't learn from them, then that's a rocky path. But if you burn the shit out of yourself and then go, okay, that hurt, but I've got it now, <laughs> then you can go on. I've never looked down on an experience in myself or anyone else. To me, that moment on that day was like a version of my favorite game, dog out the window. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. So of course, Ingrid's like, what is dog out the window? Is that when you're like, in a car as a dog <laughs> and Drew says yes exactly it's when you put your head out the window and let the wind rush at you and that's what it was like it was a rush I felt so grateful because I'd made it I never knew that I would but I did oh that got me oh <laughs> um I have so much farther to go but no other day in my life has given me so much incentive to go farther that's such a great note to end on mm -hmm. there's so many like truth bombs in here mm -hmm. yeah drew you're so wise <laughs> drew, you're good at this <laughs> at 20 years old like almost 30 years ago so i feel like this has always been drew and the people who like didn't know that drew was this like down to earth lady she's always been this way even at 20 yeah <laughs> it is awesome how we go back to these articles and there's so many things that she says that we're like oh she still says that she's still the same like she hasn't changed even though She's had so much success between then and now it like hasn't, she's still grateful mm -hmm. for everything. She's always still like, it knows it could all go away. It's just incredible. But I feel like, like she says, like having like made those mistakes, having had part of her life be really rough. Mm -hmm. 
she got grounded pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. she just like figured out who she was. I mean, I think she's still always like learning more about herself and being very open about that. But there's so much about this. It's just like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's why we love her. Yeah. Like, I feel like her openness and her, you know. Yeah. Vulnerability. Gosh, I'm like so connecting to so much of this stuff. Like, and I'm almost 20 years older than she was at this time. <laughs> oh, that's a trip to think about. I'm more than 20 years yeah. older than she was. Oh. it's crazy but this is such a classic issue pictures and interview wise like yeah we will definitely share maybe I'll put together a reel flipping through so if anybody wants to kind of have the experience um you can watch that either on our Instagram at how do you drew pod or on our TikTok which is also how do you drew pod so go look for that in the next few days. And then of course, yeah. thank you guys for listening to this fun episode. Uh, we'll have a movie coming up soon. We know it's been a while since we've done one of those. If you're liking what you're hearing, rate, review, subscribe, leave us a comment somewhere. Anything that, uh, any feedback we get, we love to read on the air. So you could be part of our You've Got Mail segment. Also, if you're on Instagram looking for this reel, you could also head over to our other account at Drewzeum, which has all other types of Drew content. Yes. And while you're on the internet, visit us on our website at howdoyoudrew.com, which is hosted on thedrewzeum.com, which we're very proud to have been hosting for such a long time now. I don't even want to talk <laughs> about it. Let's not even do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Send Lister mail over to howdoyoudrewpod at gmail.com. We've given you so many ways to reach out to us. Please do it. (laughs) We love hearing from you guys. We love interacting with you. All right, everyone. We will see you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of the How Do You Drew podcast was researched and produced by Ashley and Anne from thedrewzeum.com with help from our sponsor, Positive Medium. Special thanks to Matt Costa for our lovely theme song, Roxy Prima for our adorable logo, and last but not least, Drew Barrymore and all the Drewbies who love her. We do this for you. Thank Thank you. you.